So Money Episode 633, Rebecca Jarvis, host of ABC's No Limits Podcast. You're listening to So Money with award-winning money guru, Farnoosh Torabi. Each day, get a 30-minute dose of financial inspiration from the world's top business minds, authors, influencers, and from Farnoosh herself. Looking for ways to save on gas or double your double coupons? Sorry, you're in the wrong place. Seeking profound ways to live a richer, happier life? Welcome to So Money. Welcome to So Money, everyone. I'm your host, Farnoosh Tarabi. Happy Monday. Excited to announce that this week we are doing a podcast crossover with No Limits with Rebecca Jarvis. Have you heard of this amazing new podcast? You should subscribe. Rebecca Jarvis is a friend. She's also the senior business economics and technology correspondent for ABC News. And on this podcast, the No Limits podcast, she interviews female visionaries and entrepreneurs from cosmetics queen Bobby Brown to the Grammy award winning musician Jewel. And they talk all about their hard-earned lessons, their climb to success, their challenges with wealth. On today's show, Rebecca stops by to talk about her favorite interviews so far. We also discuss entrepreneurship and, and her predictions about the economy, the markets. As somebody who covers all of this stuff very closely, I was very curious to hear her take. Now, tomorrow you can head over to her podcast, No Limits, and hear her interview with me. And I have to say on that podcast, she asked questions that were a bit difficult to answer. And I think I ended up revealing a lot. In fact, when it was over, I went back and begged the producer to edit parts of it. And I don't think they did. (laughs) So there you go. If that's not a teaser for you to run over to No Limits and hear what I had to say about love and marriage, I go there. Don't miss her show. But first, here is the lovely and smart Rebecca on So Money. Rebecca, welcome back to So Money. It's been like two and a half years. It's been a while. And you're like a rocket ship to the moon, Farnoosh. It's great to be with you. Hey, I'm just falling on your coattails. I'm not doing anything different than you. You are out there killing it. Listeners, for those of you who are catching up, Rebecca Jarvis uh, is the Senior Business Technology and Economics Correspondent for ABC News, which means you're all over that network, mornings, afternoons, evenings, weekends. I mean, is there anything, <laughs> is, there, is there any time slot you're not in? And also you've got the podcast, No Limits, which I want to talk about. You know, I really see you as being so enterprising and entrepreneurial within your role at a network. That's, uh, that's, that's you. That's no one telling you to do that. Thank you, Farnoosh. Yeah, no, I I learned a new word the other day, intrapreneur. It's when you're an entrepreneur inside of a company. And that's how I I feel like that's sort of what I'm trying to do. I'm able, because of what ABC News lets me do, I'm able to create a lot of cool stuff. And No Limits is one of those things. And I look at you and all the things that you've built. um, And and you have been a role model to me, a good friend to me over the years. and, And I really look up to you and I love genuinely love what you've created with so money. So congratulations to you for all of your success. Thank you. And you helped launch my podcast graciously coming on as one of the first guests. So listeners go back and listen to, I think it was like, episode, <laughs> like it was one of the first 10 episodes for sure. And we talk all about your childhood growing up, uh, your money lessons, your financial habits, your lessons learned. And so this time coming back now, 
two plus years later, I want to talk about what's new and what's on your plate. And one of those big things is your podcast, No Limits with Rebecca Jarvis, which I I had the opportunity of being on. And in fact, we're airing our episodes simultaneously. So uh, make sure to go to No Limits on iTunes with RJ and download it, subscribe and listen to us talk in case you haven't gotten enough of us already. But tell me how you got the inspiration for it, other than, of course, being on my podcast. But certainly there must well, have been more motivation. Yeah, no, it is a total ripoff of so money at the end of the day. <laughs> um, no, I, I love I love these conversations. I love that you and I can have this conversation here on So Money. I love the conversations that I'm able to have with women on No Limits. We're focusing on bold, influential women playing at the top of their game, looking at the trade-offs and how they got there. And for me, because I had been covering business and tech news for so many years and interviewing so many CEOs and founders and people who are who are working really hard to build empires and make a difference, I got to this point where I started to feel like I'm having these really cool conversations with people, but in the world of TV, you get to hear 30 seconds worth of them. And I wanted to let that breathe a little bit. And I wanted to, especially to focus on women and, and give women a platform to talk more about the things that they're doing, because I also recognize that so many of the interviews that I was doing were with with incredible people, including men and women. But I really thought there needs to be more of a home where women who are doing exceptional things can talk about their roadmap, can talk about the things that they've experienced in their career. And and so I wanted to create a home for that. And I hope that's what we're doing. I, I'm really, I know like you, Farnoosh, like the conversations are as fulfilling to me as I, I hope that they'll be fulfilling to our listeners. But even if no one was listening, I would still hope to be having the kind of conversations that we have. Well, that's the thing, right? These are really intimate conversations that you don't normally get to have on a on a huge platform like a podcast that's airing through ABC News and on iTunes. And yet you get these women who live very public lives in the sense that they are out there, you know, in the headlines, running companies, but you know, they share some really intimate things with you. Tell us some of the sort of like, what were some of the most incredible stories like that you almost couldn't believe you were hearing? I mean, you've interviewed everyone from Jewel to Robin Roberts and everyone in between. Tell us something that you thought was just mind-blowing. Well, I mean, with Jewel, she told me that she passed up a multi-million dollar contract when she was homeless. At one point, she had run away from home. She grew up in Alaska. She had a, a, a troubled home life, and she ran away to perform in coffee shops, and uh, a, music, uh, a music agent came in and offered her all of this money, and she turned it down because of the fear of basically what it would do to her, how it would change her as a human being. So that's a great story. Robin Roberts had an incredible story of how she came up, wanted to be a pro athlete, loved tennis, ended up at ESPN and was given this incredible opportunity to come to Good Morning America and talked about all of the lessons that she learned with her family. I think another standout interview was with a woman named Kathy Juicy, who at 36 years old was diagnosed with a very rare form 
form of cancer called multiple myeloma. She was given just three years to live, had just given birth to a daughter, and she basically refused to take all of the, 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 the negativity and the things that she was being told, and she put everything into action. Her background, she had um, she actually hadn't gone to medical school, even though it was something she thought about doing, but she was in drug sales at the time and, and very successful in her business career. And she said, I need to come up with a solution. I need to come up with a solution that's not just for me, but for all of the other people out there. And she literally set to work and built a foundation called the Multiple Myeloma Research Foundation. And now, years and years later, 20 plus years later, she is alive and well. She's thriving. She had a second child along the way. She created this uh, foundation and now is working with Harvard to also help build out solutions, not just for multiple myeloma, but all different forms of cancer. And so you really start to see how the impetus for building something might be different, obviously, along the way. But with her, it's really that carpe diem message, and it's staring you in the face. And, and she said to me, and I'm paraphrasing here, but basically, if you wake up every morning and you have a desire and something that you desperately want to pursue to build, today is the day that basically because she stared death down, she recognized how short life is. And it for her was, was such an important message in doing the things that you desperately want to do, building the things that you desperately want to build. Incredible. I would only hope that everyone could have that sense of courage and determination when faced with such, such severe adversity. I mean, on the other hand, I wonder about Jewel's story, you know, and feeling almost like she didn't, she was afraid of accumulating wealth. And I don't know, do you find that to be a common thread or is it safe to say or fair to say that that is more common with women than men? I don't know. As you're interviewing mostly women, all women on your, on your podcast, and you've interviewed men elsewhere, do you find that certain characteristics show that show up and they tend to be mostly among these incredibly talented and successful women, some of these insecurities, perhaps? That's a really interesting question. I think for, for Jewel, I think a lot of it had to do with the way that she grew up, not necessarily that she was a female. Um, and I do think that if if you grow up and I mean, her, she just really wanted to protect her inner self. And she felt like money and the limelight might detract from that. And, and I think on some levels, she was looking at the trade-offs and, and very, very clearly looking at what it meant to live life in the spotlight and the trade-off of being a hundred percent able to be true to yourself versus, you know, listening to a record executive. But at the same time, a message that continuously comes up, I ask this question of every single guest. I asked it of you, Farnoosh. It's what's the worst advice you've ever received in oh, your life? Hardest question. <laughs> well, that, that, and also you asked me like, what um, am I still weak at or working on. And I, I, I fell apart. I was like, I started talking about like my marriage and I mean, everything's good people, but you know, uh, I found myself going places with you that I don't think we were going to go. So that's uh, my hats off to you. Awesome. Well, I loved your answer because I thought, I think it comes back to the idea, like successes for amateurs, that idea that you shared at UPenn, where basically 
life is about more than just being successful in a business or making a lot of money. So I totally respect that. And I think what happens with the worst advice, it kind of breaks down into three categories. There's the group that has the, you know, the source of the bad advice is somebody who's trying to cut you down, you know, so they give you bad advice to send you in the wrong direction. There's the group that the person who gives the bad advice just doesn't get you. And then there's the group that gets the bad advice from someone who loves you and is trying to protect you. And what I have found most interesting from asking this question now over and over and over again is that 80% of the time, the bad advice comes from a good person who's trying to help you out, but is trying to protect you from doing something that they consider to be risky or potentially have a negative downside. And and ultimately, it becomes bad advice if you take that bad advice and you don't pursue the thing. Barbara Corcoran, for example, loved my conversation with her. She talked about the fact that when she was in her early 20s, she had already worked almost two dozen jobs at this point. And she was about to quit a waitressing job to start a real estate company. And the bad advice she got was from her mom, which was stay in your waitressing job, keep doing it. Don't take the risky thing because you need a resume builder at this point. The last thing you need is to quit and go on to a new thing. Barbara Corcoran ultimately ignored her mom, started a real estate company, which then years later she sold for $60 million. And you know what else? She's on the new season of Dancing with the Stars, which is my <laughs> ultimate life goal. That's Are you going to do it, goal. Are you going to be on Dancing? I, mean, I wish it was that easy. Do you want to do it? Yes, of course. But, you know, there's decision makers and people who have to decide that you are a quote unquote star. If there was Dancing with the non-stars, I would be so, you know, at the top of that list. But uh, they need I'm, to get you in there, Farnoosh. I'm going to start every so many listener. If you want to see, <laughs> if you want to see Farnoosh on Dancing with the Stars, you need to hashtag DWTS at Farnoosh Tarabi. Hashtag so okay. many. Get it going. Make it happen. All right. So that's okay. So listeners, uh, I have one wish for you. Don't. You know, if you do nothing else this year for me, because I know y'all ask, you know, how can we help you? How can we support you? Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, hashtag DWTS at Farnoosh, hashtag so money. Uh, <laughs> seriously, I think that would just be uh, my ultimate mic drop. But I think I might re-up cable just to see Barbara do the Foxtrot with Max. I can't wait. I think that's going to be incredible. Um, so I have learned so much from my guests. I've learned so much from you. And that's kind of one of the best aspects of being a podcast host is you have this incredible access, right, to some of the most brilliant minds, the most accomplished people who teach you something every single day. So what has been something that you have really taken home with you or applied to your career, to your personal life for real? Like you're actually doing this because someone on your podcast did it and it inspired you. So I think, again, on the worst advice front, one of the things that I consistently hear from women is that Early on in their careers, they were trying to do things the way that they were told. You know, paint by numbers, dot your I's, cross your T's, do it the way that the organization is doing it. And for a lot of them, that worked out early on in their career. But they got to a point where sort of doing anything that was untrue 
to themselves, um, doing it just the way that they were told to do it wasn't necessarily the thing that was going to be the breakthrough. So being truly authentic to yourself, making choices that are bold, that may or may not be popular, but are truly um, coming from your gut, listening to your instincts and being so true to yourself. Every single woman who I, I talk to says that's the moment where things truly started to click in their career. And, and I do think that there comes a moment in your career where maybe you've, you've worked really hard and you've done everything and, and you've, you've, you've checked off the boxes and you've pleased your bosses and all of those things. But there comes a moment where you define yourself and you say who you are and how you behave. And some of it is leadership and how you manage people. And I do think that the best opportunity lies in the, the the symmetry between being yourself and being in an organization that really values you for you. And when those two things come together, that's the best possible possible moment. And you feel that way right now. I, I do. I mean, I really, I feel like I'm pushing myself every day to try to think more about what, what are the things that I really care about? What are the stories that I really care about? Um, like building the community of people who are really into building businesses and being entrepreneurial and taking chances and taking risks. I'm trying every single day to be closer and closer to that and be more and more a part of that. And I find, um, you know, back to your idea about, um, you know, success is for amateurs. The closer I am to being fulfilled, the more successful I feel. And I, I, the, the more, the more I'm close to the content that I care about talking to really smart people and getting into the heart of conversations like you do here, the happier I am and the more fulfilled I am. So it, it's a good place to be. I'm, I'm, and by the way, for anybody who's listening right now, I didn't necessarily think that I would get here. It's not to say that I didn't think that it was impossible, but I spent many, many years in my career happy, but wondering, is there more? Like, how can I do more of the things that I really care about? And part of the answer is just to do more of the things that you care about. And I know that's going to sound ridiculous, but I think for anybody who's out there who's feeling like stuck or as though they're not breaking through, the question is to ask yourself, I think, what do I care about and how do I do more of what I care about? Not how do I get so-and-so to think I'm smart or how do I get this particular opportunity at work? It's just how do you just start doing those things? Yes. Yeah. It's, it requires courage, I will say. And I don't know that if in the beginning of my career, I think when you're young, you're, you very much just want to follow the path that was paved for you, make your bosses happy, do what's right. right. But I think that, and that's kind of the process. Like you have yeah. to do that stuff, right? To find yourself. A hundred percent. A hundred percent. I think, I think it's a good idea to, 
work really hard early on, do the things that you're asked to do. I always say it's, it's always when you're getting new things on your plate, you have to make sure that you're still doing the old, less fun stuff, at least for a while, because the last thing any boss or manager wants is somebody who's like, oh yeah, I did the cool thing today. I don't want to do any of that like boring stuff that I had to do earlier in my career. You got to eat the vegetables. Bingo. Keep (laughs) eating your vegetables when you get dessert. Yes, yes. Um, So you have a really amazing uh, sort of outlook and perspective on all things economy and now technology as well as commerce and business. Uh, What are your sources telling you? What what is your reporting informing you as far as where our freaking economy is headed? Because, I mean, there's there's the people are using the word frothy, bubble. Um, I know that uh, on this show, we never want to react to news and we're just, you know, we play a long-term game when it comes to investing. But I mean, it, we're still curious, you know, what are, what are you thinking of along those lines? What are your sources telling you? So I think it's actually interesting. Goldman Sachs put out this report about two Americas right now that are confusing investors. And on the one hand, there's the Washington, D.C., all of the chaos there and what's happening with all of the coverage. And then there's the other America, which is sort of less attached to what's happening in Washington, D.C. And overall, things in that that America, the one that's not as attached to the news cycle every day, is feeling okay. It's not necessarily great, but things are okay. And I think some of that is reflected in what we're seeing with jobs. My, my biggest concern looking at the jobs reports is that while unemployment is historically low, the wages that we would normally expect to see, you know, usually you'd see salaries rise as unemployment goes down because people get paid more when jobs are better. But we're not really seeing that right now in our recovery. And while the recovery has been one of the longest on record since the Great Recession, the the improvements in incomes just aren't there. And I worry about that because obviously everybody wants to get paid more as time goes on. You want to see that's the, that's a sign of a healthy economy. And our economy in the U.S., as you know, Farnoosh, is all about what we do as consumers. 70% of our economy is what, how we spend our money as consumers. And if we're not getting paid more, then we're not going to be spending more either. And that slows down economic growth. Yes, yes, for sure. Yep. Oh my gosh, what a throwback to my days of reporting for the street.com. <laughs> exactly. So it's, I actually got to start on ABC News at four o'clock in the morning talking about the economy. I couldn't do that now, but that's why I have guests like you on the show. <laughs> well, I bet you could do it now if you were forced to do it now, but you're lucky that you don't have to do it right now. <laughs> yeah. Well, you're right. I mean, I think that if you are looking at the news every single day following politics. And I do, you know, but I, I feel like you have to distance yourself from uh, making that from making having that affect your your uh, perspective and management of your money. You just have to sort of keep a long term view. What are your big money goals right now, Rebecca? I mean, you're working more. I hope that you're being able to save more. You know, you're only 35. You have like the world ahead of you. So but what's like on your, you know, what are some of your hashtag money goals right That's now? That's a good question, Farnoosh. I don't know that anyone has asked me that. So I think for me, I am saving. I'm always long term saving for the future. One of the things that I am interested in doing at this point in my life is 
finding entrepreneurs, friends, um, people who come into my life, learning about their companies and helping to seed them with that, like, you know, it's very small amounts of money, but looking for those interesting new startup companies that are sound really cool, that are run by really smart people and helping them get off the ground initially. Um, I also am really interested in saving money for, for my future, for my husband's future. We want to grow a family. Um, by the way, we have never owned a home. I am still a renter. So I, I think that that's, you know, we're saving, but we're not necessarily saying we need to buy a home anytime soon. And you probably see this in the housing market. Um, home prices have gone up exponentially. They're up, you know, already 7% almost since this time last year. And for a lot of people, in fact, I think I read uh, research the other day that showed that um, the, the cost of housing has gone up so much that in every single place in the country at this point um, that that houses are out of reach, that they're unaffordable. Oh, I feel that. I mean, right now we're in Brooklyn and we're thinking, you know, where do we want to be in the next three to four years, five years? Because that would require in the interim saving because whether we choose to stay, stay in Brooklyn or leave the city, which we don't really want to do, but Either, either path requires having capital. Um, because I, you know, I don't, I've never had to sell a place then before. Like, I don't know how it works. Like, I guess you have to get a bridge loan because unless you have a ton of savings, you have to use the equity in your home to buy your next home. But what if you find your next home before you sell your first home? So we're, I'm kind of like learning all of this right now. And meantime, looking at home prices. I have noticed in Brooklyn where it's been extremely hot for the past five, six years, a cool down, Mm. at least in the like, at least for the size home that we're looking for. There aren't actually a lot of homes in Brooklyn in our neighborhood that that can comfortably, you know, uh, uh, accommodate a family of four, five people, uh, a lot of one bedrooms, two bedrooms on the market. But like once you get to three, four, five bedrooms, the the number, the inventory is like very, very small. Right. And the prices as a result, you'd think they'd be really high, but it's actually not. It's not that, you know, I think you're having a hard time. Sellers are having a hard time letting go of that inventory. Anyway, long story short, I hear you. It's like a really tough spot to be in. Um, and we, we're, you know, we're qualified buyers, but we just feel like there just isn't anything really attractive in the market for us right now, price wise and also for what we need. But, uh, are you guys ever thinking of leaving the city? I don't know. I, I, I feel like we are city people. Um, but of course, when you have kids, you never know. Things can change there. I grew up in the city of Minneapolis, so which is a very different city to grow up in. In New York, you it, it requires far less money to be able to live in it. Um, but it was a great upbringing, and I liked the fact that we I grew up with a big neighborhood, and we always had neighborhood get-togethers, and um, it was a great place to grow up. So I, I hope to yeah. be able to do that. The whole conversation around housing, though, reminds me of something um, with Warren Buffett, where he says, be fearful when others are greedy, greedy when others are fearful. I mean, those that to me is something that I'm always sort of keeping in the back of my mind, which is basically when everybody is rushing into something, for example, housing, that's when you want to stay sit, sit back and wait. And then at the moment that prices start to fall considerably, that would be a moment to consider buying again. I know, you know, we have a hard time remembering history. Someone said the other day, what was that quote? 
um, I don't know, it's something really smart. I'll have to find it, but it was like basically how we do not remember history that basically we just remember the few, you know, we, we have no recollection of things that happened, even though even they were as severe as what they were during the Great Recession. Um, I think that history ha- tends to repeat. Um, that's what it was. We don't remember history. History repeats. Something yep. like that. It's a good point. Um, By the way, speaking of it history, is. Yeah. throughout this interview, is the, uh, is the, the sound of email, is that my email coming in? Did you not hear it? Mm, I thought in the beginning there was, you know, I was going to stop you in the beginning because I thought there was like a typewriter in the back. And then I thought how appropriate, you know, that we're calling, you're calling in from ABC News and there's like the hum of a typewriter <laughs> as if you were calling in from the 1940s um, in your time machine. But no, I, it's not me because I don't, I definitely don't have any emails opening up. I didn't hear okay, anything. Good. Maybe it's, Maybe it's just the voices in your head. I don't know. It's probably like um, Sally. I think it's Sally in my head. Sally, (laughs) quit it, Sally. You're distracting. Um, Okay, so we have a couple more minutes left, and I want you to let us know who are some of the guests you have coming up on – on No Limits, who can we look Ooh, forward to? I love to? this question. So obviously, Farnoosh, you guys have to come and listen to Farnoosh's interview on No Limits. It's an awesome conversation. I I really admire you, Farnoosh, and we do get into stuff that she doesn't always get into here on So Funny, including relationships. So I think that's interesting. Um, we have an interview coming up with Caroline, who is the creator of Caroline's. For anybody who lives in New York, that's the, um, that's the, the comedy club. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's all about, I'm really into this whole idea of comedy and how, how comedians, Great thank you, but I'm really into this idea of comedy and how comedians make their lives, how they make money, how that all works out. Um, so she's one of our guests that we have coming up. We've got, a, a, like, if you haven't listened yet to No Limits, I just hope that you'll come and take a look because there are so many incredible women from Jessica Elba, who has the creator of The Honest Company, to Issa Rae, anyone who loves HBO, her show on Insecure. I'm a huge fan. She talks about that whole world. We've got a number of business guests, Bobby Brown, how she did it. She was on your podcast, right, Farnoosh? Bobby was oh, okay, not, sorry. but I had... Um... No, it's okay. I would love to have all your guests, by the way. If you want to send them over to So Money, let me know. I would be more than happy to to welcome them and ask them all sorts of money questions. And in fact, you should have Margaret Cho on your podcast if you oh, like yeah. to learn about comedians. Definitely. I had her on this show. She's fascinating because you know, she's had periods of quiet in her in her career, and then she's come back with a bang and she's got her she's got very interesting money stories and um her her childhood was so interesting being raised in San Francisco, immigrant parents. They they owned businesses all her life, um all different kinds of businesses like hamburger flipping business. Um, Um, uh, a gay bookstore, as she described it, in the heart of San Francisco. Uh, And so she, I think, was just destined to be running her own show as an adult, you know, in in more ways than one. I love it. Yeah, she's great. She's, I definitely would love to have her on. So if you could just let her know to swing on by, that would be great. (laughs) Thanks, Marty. Sure. I'll just, uh, I'll text her right now. Um, Rebecca Jarvis, thank you so much for coming on and being so generous with your time. I know you're squeezing this in in between probably filing 7,000 different articles and reports and live hits for the network. So (laughs) we really appreciate you and good luck with 
buying that home if you choose to or not <laughs> and hope one of your investments becomes the next, I don't know, the next Facebook. Yeah. Let's just say Facebook. I'm not going to say Snapchat because we know that's no good. <laughs> um, Twitter's on the decline, but hopefully something else like the next Facebook. Yeah, we're looking. We're looking for the next Facebook. So if you hear about it, you can tweet Farnoosh, tweet me, let us know. Um, Cause yeah, we'll, 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 we'd be interested. Thank you Thanks so much. Thanks, You're awesome. Really love talking with you. Thanks so much to Rebecca for stopping by. Again, her podcast is No Limits with Rebecca Jarvis, available everywhere podcasts are available. If you missed any of this, just head over to somoneypodcast.com and you can download the transcript, the audio. You can also click on Ask Farnoosh. As you know, every Friday, I answer your money questions. So either leave a question there or you can also leave a voicemail. Pretty cool, huh? Thanks for tuning in, everyone. And I hope your Monday is so money.